This is the Strength Beyond Fitness Podcast. A Build Body Fitness production brought to you by Coach Louise and Coach Renee, where we talk about simple principles to train your mind, transform your body, and maybe even change your life. Welcome to today's episode. We have a special guest. The mamas are taking over. We have Mad Fit Mama Madison. Hello. Thank you for being here today. Of course. I'm so excited. And Luis is going to hear even more mm-hmm. about being a mom than he has over the last <laughs> last little chunk of time. I'm so excited. If you guys were listening to uh, last season, you guys know I had a ton of things to say about just pretty much the culture and moms and fitness and everything that social media magazines and like media tries to portray or make you feel like and i and that's not it that's not how it like reality truly is and i think every every mom needs to understand that and not uh have these like false almost images that they feel like they need to live up to and i think Mm -hmm. maddie is a great example of a coach that like helps a woman out and now that she's a mom she's able to now relate to mothers and is turning her fitness um, business into a place where like moms can feel safe and that's exactly what you do as well um like you know we joke around you're the milf mama into into Mm -hmm. lifting and fitness um giving moms that like that environment to feel safe to be heard uh to feel excited and 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 proud of like the work they've accomplished so i'm excited i'm literally just here to just give like my uh your my, two cents my every, two so often. Cents every so often so i'm gonna let y'all let y'all take it away well it's really cool because we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording of how originally my understanding is you first started training brides and then you transitioned to postpartum you know now that that's mm-hmm. your stage of life so you've always really focused on women's empowerment yes so I technically started off training anybody because I didn't understand yet. You know, like I was just finding myself in the fitness industry. So I would train anyone. And then I realized that I just don't connect with men like I connect with women. Like I relate with women so much more. And I'm sure you get it. Like as a trainer, we are almost like their therapist as well as their trainer. So I just feel more comfortable being that person for a woman than a man. Nothing against men. I think that's fair. That's fair. I remember one male client I had where there was a time where he kind of almost used me as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And he would tell me things about his marriage. And I was like, I I don't want to know this. I think you should tell this to your wife. This puts me in a weird place. Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree with it's just kind of easier relating to women. Right. Because, I mean, you could totally set boundaries in the beginning of a training session. But, like you still start getting comfortable with your with your trainer and kind of those boundaries start to slowly fade away. And then you're in a territory where it's just like not comfortable at all, mm-hmm. you know? And you, maybe you let like two, three workout sessions slide by where you're kind of like therapist. Now you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to continue going this route. Yeah. So no, I get that. I get that. Well, it's hard because eventually when you train someone long enough, you get to really know them. You see their mm-hmm. potential. It's hard not to become friends. Yeah, I am pretty much friends with all of my clients now. Like, I had no idea that this is where my job was going to take me, but pretty much all of my best friends were first my clients which is hilarious. <laughs> well, I love how you always refer to your clients as your girls. Like yeah. they're not just like people that pay you. They're, these are my girls. My these girls. are my group of people. It's very much you've been able to build a community no matter like what place you're in. And that's mm-hmm. impressive. Thank that's you. really impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Whatever season of life I'm in is what I've tended to attract, which I love because then I can actually give them 
good, solid advice and I can actually understand their struggles. So whatever season of life I'm in is usually what I create my new niche on. So I was a bride, so I trained brides and now I'm a mom. So I'm definitely moving into the space of I want to be a a mommy trainer. Which is huge because I feel like there's been a lot of misconceptions when it comes to postpartum and this is where Luis has heard my soapbox a lot. I'm sure our listeners have, but I would love to hear what was a misconception that maybe caught you off guard that you didn't expect. Maybe you had heard about it or hadn't heard about like something that's caught you off guard postpartum training. Hmm. So do you mean like in the gym or just in general? I guess within yourself, within yourself. Everyone warned me that it was going to be hard. If I'm being honest, I was like, I'm fine. I guess the biggest misconception would be my own self-sabotage that Mm. I thought that since I'm already such a very positive person that I was going to handle it better than other moms might have because usually I really am super positive. Like no matter what I'm going through, I got Jesus. I'm going to be okay. Like I can survive this. And so I honestly thought I was not going to get postpartum depression. I was not concerned until I got postpartum depression and then I was like holy crap I get it this is hard it hits hard and kind of out of nowhere or more like it's real Mm -hmm. like this is real I think that's uh the perspective as a husband that I um experienced Mm -hmm. like Renee talked about it all the time about her first pregnancy she talks about it like about all these moms experienced it and I'd be like what like hold on yeah what is this because I it's not like I was surrounded by tons of moms or whatever, like just my mom. And like, obviously, as a kid, you don't know that your mom has postpartum protection because mm-hmm. you're a baby, you know. Right. But, uh, you know, like she would say that and like, I didn't think it was like a real thing. Like, I honestly thought it was just like, you're just exaggerating, emotional, whatever. And yep. then understood it better, you know, after we had our, we've, we had our daughter. And I was like, wow, OK, this is real. You don't get it till you're going <laughs> through it. That's for sure. It makes no sense. At least and for me, it makes for me, me s- feel like I I was a bad friend. Like I honestly feel like so awful now to my friends. I don't have a lot of mommy friends, but like to my few friends that have had children, that I wasn't there more. Because now I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I should have showed up more. But at the same time, just like how my friends haven't really showed up as much as I would have thought they would for me as well. I'm just reminding myself not to take it personal because they're not moms and they don't get it. So it's not personal. If, if, if you haven't gone through it, you just don't get it. But once you go through it, you get it. And that's why it is definitely important to have mommy friends. It's hard if you don't have other people that are within that same situation. Because mm-hmm. I have a few friends that are, um, aren't moms themselves. They were great supports. But it's there's this weird kind of lack of connection and it's, I still love you. You still love me, mm-hmm. but we're kind of, we're not at the same place right now. Yeah, and there's, seasons. there's a couple people where we were able to reconnect because of pregnancy. So one of my best friends, we kind of lost contact for a couple of years. And then weirdly enough, the last two pregnancies we've had have been within months of each other. Oh yeah. True. Wow. <laughs> and I'm one of her few friends that are, that's a mom, which is apparently in California. That's not super common for people our age to have kids compared to out here. And in Utah, it's a little bit more. And having a group of people that kind of understand where you're at and also in the same age bracket mm-hmm. is huge. Cause there's the other part too of like, you know, maybe I can look towards an older person, but 
that was a completely different way of raising their kids of, you know, my mom joked, like, just put a little whiskey on the gum. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. No, thank literally. You. <laughs> Our generation does things much differently. I feel like we also are a little more like gentle parenting. Our generation uh, depends on the person. But yeah, like I'm not going to do the things that my parents did to me. <laughs> there, There's updated research and yeah. there's a better understanding of like child rearing and what's beneficial, even certain things of like, you know, how much exposure kids get to like a picture that has contrast in it before they're like, I'll give you a spoon and you'll be good yeah. compared to now. It's like, okay, how do I make sure that we're working on your fine motor skills and your gross motor skills, which then leads into, am I doing enough? Yeah. And I don't know or if my mom went right, through that. Yeah. Am I doing it right? Mm -hmm. I hear this one parent saying, if you're giving too much screen time, like you're the worst. If you're not giving enough screen time or holding them enough, you're the worst. And then there's a whole touchy subject of breastfeeding, car seeks, vaccines, where it almost feels Even like daycare. That, that's oh my gosh, daycare. Earlier, I came across a real, a real TikTok, whatever you call them now, um, that it was. Some influencer that got like backlash because she just shared her opinions in in uh, daycare and she wasn't saying like it was a bad thing like it, people misunderstood her and uh, like I didn't even know there's like all these feelings about daycare now I was like what my my understanding is I think a lot of moms are honestly trying their best and some get really defensive mm -hmm. and that's where the lack of discussion takes place of we're all kind of trying to protect ourselves. And so we come out really aggressive and we're cutting out a community and making it harder to where we could be collaborating. And instead yeah. we're competing over who's the best mommy. I really like that you say that because I guess I never thought of it that way, but you're so right. We should be a team rather than like, well, I'm going to do it my way and you can do it your way. Cause that's kind of how I've been as of right now, or I don't appreciate unsolicited advice. Like if I didn't ask, then don't tell me. But if I ask, but what do you think? Then there's the door mm -hmm. to tell me. I started using the term thank you. And sometimes thank you would mean like, I genuinely appreciate this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes thank you would mean shut up. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I it made go, me feel better. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> do you feel like it's gotten better, worse, or about the same like when you're pregnant versus now with unsolicited advice? Um, I think it's about the same because when I was, I don't know, maybe it's a little better because when you're pregnant, everyone is just like telling you what you need to do and you need to make sure you get these vaccines and make sure you buy this and do this and don't do this. Have you seen this? They could die. Oh my gosh. Just filling you with like stress and fear and the amount yeah. of people that tell you ways your child can die when you're pregnant. <laughs> why? Literally why? Literally what? Just I just want to like be in peace and Wait, just enjoy my pregnancy. Are these things that are being told to the mom? Because like I mean, no mm -hmm. one. Okay, I was like, I'm, I've no people. Just while you were pregnant, I never pat had you on the back. Yeah, I guess so. I was like, I never had a conversation with anybody telling me like, all right, you're a dad, like your baby can die this way. So be careful, like that. Never. Hundred percent. When what? it comes to certain products, I remember um, with wow. my first pregnancy, prenatal vitamins made me really sick, and mm -hmm. I was at the point Same. where. Anything and everything was making me throw up. So my doctor said, whatever you can keep down, even if it's a multivitamin. Mm -hmm. And so we found a compromise of this Trader Joe's gummy multivitamin that I could keep down. And one of my coworkers out of nowhere just said, are you taking a prenatal? Because if not, you just killed your child. The same thing happened to me, but it was my client. Like, she, she's not my client anymore. Like, still love you, girl, if you hear this. But like, 
she really stressed me out because she made me feel like there's going to be something seriously wrong with my baby because same I just stopped taking them I was like I eat very healthy I eat a very well balanced diet even my midwife was like you're doing great like you're eating what you're supposed to back in the day they didn't have prenatals and babies turned out fine so yeah she told me there was going to be something wrong with my baby's spine or something like that and she's like yeah because it happened to me because my mom didn't take prenatals and I was like oh my god okay I'm sorry you don't need to make me feel like I'm a horrible person that is just crazy like what like who does that once more I want to say they have good intentions exactly they do have good intentions which is why I'm like thank you I'm not gonna (laughs) be rude even though I want to be like did you have to say that like are you trying to make me feel like I'm a bad person or a bad mom we it's well, easy to want to get defensive but like right people well, have good intentions so it, you can't a big thing is like we it, with this podcast our goal is create an awareness that that we we don't recognize that is needed mm-hmm. and uh i mean like from a father perspective whether it was a father or, or uh not a father whatever like this is something like in at least i would have never like thought that an advice like that would just be thrown or given, you know? And like you said, maybe they had good intentions, but you don't see that in other things. Like I feel like specific, like saying that directly to a mother, someone that's pregnant, that is Who's going already vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's vulnerable going through a bunch of like hormone fluctuations and, you know, has this big mystery coming towards our life. Cause you don't know if you never, if you were never, if you were never a mom, you don't know what to expect. And then just having something like that, like, no that is not cool wow people act weird even and this is my big pet peeve because i'm not a very touchy person i don't love hugs i will Mm. save my hugs for certain people everyone wants to touch your stomach when you're pregnant and it's really weird so what my mom told me to do is if someone touches my stomach that gives me full permission (laughs) to touch their stomach (laughs) and there are some people that took it as a joke and other people that got offended and i was like well why are you touching my belly like, this is weird for everyone. I'm going to make it weird for you, too. Yeah. Like, at least ask first. At least ask but first. But nobody asks. Like, no, they just ask, and they're like, are they kicking? Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, your belly. It's so big. I'm like, oh, thanks. Thank you so much for telling me that. And I appreciate that. <laughs> that makes me feel great. Or did you get the other side of, like, people – how do I explain this? Uh, there's some people where – Either they want to point out how big your belly is, like you're really big, or, oh, your belly's kind of small. Yeah, I got both ends, which when someone w- like someone at the gym literally said, are you sure you're not having twins? And I was like, I'm pretty sure you and I both know I'm not having twins because I was smaller. I'm super tall. I lost 15 pounds when I was pregnant because I threw up so much. So I didn't end up gaining a lot of weight. Like I was smaller. But she was completely healthy the whole time. My midwife was like, you're fine. Everything's fine. So then you get the other comment of like, you don't even look pregnant. Are you sure she's growing okay? And even towards the end, my midwife even was like, I feel like maybe you should have gained more weight by now. I just feel like there's so much pressure. But I knew, Mm -hmm. like, I'm literally stuffing my face. I know I'm eating enough. Everything's good. I would tell you honestly if I wasn't eating enough. I knew I was fine. Like, we can tell if there's something wrong and I knew there was nothing wrong with my baby, but just the world has to try to fill you with doubts and fears when you're pregnant. The weight gain thing is weird because we're, we're told that you are supposed to gain 20 pounds and it's Mm -hmm. that, I don't know what it is about 20. That's a magical number, but I end up gaining closer to like 60, but I'm also only five one. So the way Mm -hmm. weight fits on me versus you, 
is going to look very different. Exactly. And you have these poor moms that, you know, might be on one side to where they're maybe not gaining enough, but their, their baby is growing healthy. And Mm -hmm. on the other side of, you know, maybe they just happen to pack on a lot of weight and their doctors are kind of guilting them, but they don't have gestational diabetes. It's a weird vulnerable tie-in of your, like he said, your hormones are fluctuating, your body is changing. Women already tend to have a lot of body image issues. And now on top of it, people feel like it's okay to openly comment on the body. Cause could you imagine if people talked that openly about someone's body outside of pregnancy? Yeah. It would be so offensive. It'd be like, so I d- bad. I didn't ask, you know, thanks for sharing though. But <laughs> yeah, well, people I, feel like they're allowed to when you're pregnant. I'm curious. And like, hopefully this is not offensive at all. I know your husband's from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I know although that's like an American state, it's still a different culture. It yeah. carries more of the culture of like uh, Asia, Micro-Asia and all those different mm-hmm. things. And those, t- those, t- those kinds of cultures really focus on weight. I mean, the Hispanic culture, like the f- right when you see your family for the first time after, you know, like two, three months, that's the first thing they're going to mention. Something about your weight. Is it like that within your husband's side of the family? Uh, no. The Hawaiian culture at all? That's okay, really good. Cool. That's no, yeah. His, so his mom is Filipino and nope. I mean, uh. when I was pregnant, she would just say, but I didn't take it offensively because yeah. I really was small. Like I was 20 weeks pregnant and I did not look pregnant at all because mm-hmm. we were visiting Hawaii and she was like, is there even a baby in there? But then she would <laughs> laugh and like, you know, I was like, yes, there's a baby in there. Like yeah. I have a picture of the ultrasound of my baby. It's <laughs> fine. All right. I'm tall. I'm hiding my baby, but <laughs> well, no, no one's made any comments other than like, I've gotten like compliments, yeah. but then at the same time, I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't want people to like look at me as an example because I literally lost so much weight when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the only reason why after or postpartum I like lost the baby weight really fast. So I'm not the best example because I lost so much weight in the first place and From I was being actually sick. sad about it. Yes. Yeah. You were sick. I, I want to emphasize happy. that. So yeah, especially when people are like, you're looking so tiny, you look so good. A part of me is like, Oh, it's like not a compliment to me, but I know that they mean well, but it's like, I've lost everything I've worked for. I'm not buff anymore. I want to be buff again. I don't <laughs> want to be skinny. I want to be buff. So yeah, that's why I'm like, do not look at me as an example. Unless you are puking your brains out and you lose as much weight as me, then the same thing might happen to you where as soon as you pop your baby out, you're like right back to normal again. Okay, we're going to we're going to jump into this because I got into a discussion with someone about this literally last night. My sister. What, <laughs> <laughs> what is your opinion on snapback culture, bounce back, all of the, you're already shaking your head. I want to hear it all. I don't like it. I don't like it. Why not? It's unrealistic. I mean, even when I like had just had the baby, I did obviously still have a stomach on me and that's normal. Like, do you really expect your body to just shrink after you just carried life for nine months? And it is normal to have stretch marks. All of it is completely normal. It's a part of the beauty of creating life. And so I I think it is very toxic. It is very unnecessary. It puts a lot of pressure on women. I feel like there is a lot of women out that out there that are trying to prove that oh well I snap back this fast so you can do it too but we need to make sure that we're sharing everyone is different some people might go back to normal faster than others but everyone's journey is completely different 
And also what normal looks like is going to be so different. And there's factors that we don't consider of like one, their education on fitness and health. And that's Mm -hmm. huge of, you know, are they going off of just what they saw one influencer do? How well did their doctor educate them? Do they even know about pelvic floor health? Yeah. Which is a whole, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. a whole thing. And then, you know, if they had any pre-existing conditions, if they were active beforehand. And I feel like my body is completely different from my first pregnancy, from before my second pregnancy. There's Mm -hmm. some stuff that I've gotten stronger with. Yeah. And there's some stuff where it's like, it's not quite back and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. I accept my hips are always going to be wide. There's going to be yeah. pants that won't fit, but yep. you know, it's a beautiful s- thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's my body was able to make this creation. And if I'm only focusing on the parts of my body that I hate, and that's the example that I'm setting for my kids. I can't remember what I saw the other day. It's, you know, when I look at my child and I see myself, how can I talk so hateful towards myself? Yeah. Of Could you imagine if I said, you know, those same things to Malia? Ooh. Or even to Carter. Like, even though, even though he's a boy, his experience is going to be different. I wouldn't want him to say the things that I used to say to myself. Yeah. 100%. So with, with you being like a, your coaching transforms based on your seasons. Now you're a mama coach. Mm-hmm. Um, with your mama clientele, the ones that you've had, like, how do you address that that mindset of someone coming to you, whether it's in during their pregnancy term or postpartum, and wanting to be like, I want, I just want to have the the nine month in, nine month out like transformation. I just want to snap back. Um, how do you? How's your coaching with that? How do you address it? How do you give them like? the the excitement that they continue to give them the excitement that they that they're looking for but also let them know like you need to ground yourself down like build a better relationship first i don't know yeah i like to remind them that if your goal is all about looks for one you're going to lose motivation very fast because that's not going to be something that's that important or going to keep you driven so if someone is coming to me, for one, I actually have women that are working with me that are pregnant right now. And a lot of them do have that mindset of, I want to work out while I'm pregnant so that once I pop this baby out, I look better or I'm going to be able to lose the weight faster, which that might be true, but it might also not be true because we don't know what's going to happen during the birth. Mm-hmm. So I would say just trying to set realistic expectations of we literally don't know what's going to happen what you're going to look like postpartum, but it's okay. What matters is your health. If you're feeling good, if you're healthy, that's what's important for you and for your baby. And you have to be realistic that when you are a mom, you don't really have as much time for the gym. So if you think that you're going to pop that baby out and be able to jump right back into the gym and get right back to it, it's probably not going to happen. I do have pregnant women that think, Yep, six weeks. As soon as they approve me, I'll be back. And I'm like, we'll see. That That's <laughs> cute. That's a yeah. lovely thought. How has your training changed postpartum? I was able to get right back into it because I did have a really good experience. At least I would say sort of. I had back labor, so it was awful. But I didn't tear at all. Everything was good for me. So I was able to get back into the gym. But 
I try to remind my girls that I didn't just jump right back into the gym because I was worried about what I looked like. It was for my mental health because with postpartum, you need to make sure you're doing things that bring you life and are boosting endorphins. Mm -hmm. So whether that is just getting outside and going for a walk or if you need to get into the gym and move a little bit of weight, you need to just do what's going to make you happy and make you feel like yourself again. So I was able to get back into the gym pretty fast. But I remind my girls, don't compare your journey to my journey. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't compare your journey to my journey. Everyone's postpartum journey looks so different. Some people have more help than others. Now that because my mom came to stay with me for like my first three months. So I was able to make time for the gym. She's gone now. So I actually work out maybe two to three days a week. And before I was working out five to six days a week. But now that I'm postpartum, Mm -hmm. life is just different. And exercise is not my main priority. It's more so just being healthy. I'm just more motivated than ever to be healthy because it's not about me anymore. It's now about her, my daughter. I eat clean because I am breastfeeding. So I do want to make sure that whatever goes in me, it's going to her. So yeah, I try to stress to my clients that you need to just focus more on the health journey aspect and you're doing this because you want to be healthy. You're doing this because you want an easier birth. You're doing this for all of those benefits, not because you want to look your best after you have a baby. That's just not realistic. You still look incredible no matter what you look like after you have a baby. It is a beautiful thing. Having children, I'm sure as you know, is the best thing that could ever happen to you. So to beat yourself up because your body looks different, don't do it. It's a trap. And also what a blessing that you are able to breastfeed. Yeah. Because I think that's a really important topic that I do want to tread lightly because I know Mm -hmm. that journey is really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And too often. So I don't judge. It's hard. I almost gave up. (laughs) And there's sadly been some trainers that I will not name. If mm-hmm. you feel attacked, you feel attacked. Yeah. <laughs> um, that they'll put their clients into too big of a deficit too fast. Yeah. And they don't even give their clients a chance where it's realistically like your body has to be in a surplus just because do you know how many calories, you know, breastfeeding be- burns? Yeah. Like up to 500, which makes sense because you're freaking exhausted. Like after a feed, I'm exhausted. And you would think you're just sitting there doing nothing all day. No. I'm exhausted after feeding her it's all like day. Per ounce of twenty calories per ounce, and so I both my pregnancies I got really lucky to where I had a surplus to the point where I had mastitis and clogged milk ducts. Mm. But it he he would see me on the floor pumping and just crying, exhausted, Aww. and like luckily we were able to turn it into. Um, I've donated five gallons of breast milk <gasps> to yeah. where I was Ooh, able blessing. to give that out. Wow! But some That's of my amazing. friends. See, here's one thing I do want to like. Uh, you can tread lightning. I'm not gonna tread lightly. And <laughs> oh if they no. want, if they want to come <laughs> at me, they can come at me. Don't come at the moms. But like, your priority was not to put yourself in a in a deficit for you to lose weight. Your priority was mm-hmm. to be able to maintain so that you had energy throughout your day so you can work out. And what like really really takes me off. And now that I'm experiencing this, like, oh, it drives me crazy. Is when I do see and I like I. I I might get backlash. I don't care. But I'll see moms like obviously get cleared, 
share that they're just so stoked to get their body back their Mm -hmm. first workout they'll post like how much they sweat and it was so great to be back because they feel like they needed to and they post their meals this is what i ate my first day back Mm -hmm. in the gym and it's like it's a thousand calories and then i'm sorry but like three months later they start asking for like help for their breast milk because they're not they're they're not not producing and it's like you're not producing because your your priority is to lose weight you're not your priority is not to be able to create energy for a child so like exactly. that that's literally that's why you need to be in a surplus because you're cre- creating milk is creating energy and you cannot mm-hmm. create energy if you're not giving yourself enough so not saying this is going to work for every mom but if you can keep your f- meals in a in a in a surplus mm-hmm. all right you're gonna you're gonna produce breast milk all right not saying that you're gonna have like what what renee did like because unfortunately like she did have what what was called a. I was a human cow yeah we can just say that. yeah you had you had you had a. <laughs> Uh, overproduction overproduction like yeah you, you had that not saying that every mom is going to have an overproduction but you will produce if you can keep yourself in a in a controlled surplus with like you said foods that you recognize like hey if you're eating it it's going to be given to my child like you want to mm-hmm. make sure it's well it's good it's nutritious that's that comes back to the education portion though of there's not enough people being educated and if you have these moms being vulnerable coming to a coach saying hey i want to lose weight and they don't have that understanding of okay i'm gonna put you at 1200 calories you know your body's gonna go into my favorite term self-preservation mode yes where you know your body's first even though your heart's instinct is i want to feed this baby your body's first instinct is i need to protect this person Mm -hmm. and to your body, its instinct isn't going to be to continue producing breast milk. It's what systems can we shut down or slow down to where we can run more efficiently. Yeah. And then on top of, you know, not eating enough, there's the increased cortisol levels of if you're overly stressed and you're not sleeping enough, like it's putting so much pressure on your body and having that pressure on top of, you know, I need to recover. I need to look a certain way. I also need to breastfeed. I need to be like this mom. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder mom guilt's such an issue. Yep. Exactly. I, and I, I do understand moms that struggle to make enough milk because I have started to just now struggle with that because my husband has become more and more busy with his work and I don't really have anyone to come help Mm-hmm. So I struggle to eat enough now. And I've noticed that I'm not producing as much. Like I used to be able to actually stash a little bit here and there. For the most part, whatever I made, I just gave to her. Cause I'm like, I hate having to pump. I hate having to build a stash. No one watches her anyways. It's, I'm the only one that watches her. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like in that stage where it's like, I wish I had more people to come and help me so I could eat. Because a hundred percent, if you're not eating enough, you will not produce enough breast milk. And that has started to happen to me. And so you might think, oh, well, she looks great. Oh, well, she had snapped back. No, it's not necessarily a good thing. I've lost a lot of weight, not because I wanted to, but because I don't have enough help to actually eat the amount that we need to be eating postpartum, especially as your baby gets older. Because in the beginning, it was okay. I had help. Also you're not producing as much because, you know, when they're that little, they don't need as much. But now she's eight months and she's still primarily like just getting breast milk. And then I give her solids here and there. So I know she needs more than what she's used to. And she's constantly trying to take more. But I know that my body is not making 
enough. That's hard. Yeah. That's a hard. It's, it's really tough. So it's sad that we don't have, I guess, a village anymore. Like back in the Mm -hmm. day, it was important that you had your people, you had a village to help you take care of your child because mama needs time to sleep and mama needs time to feed herself. And if we don't have time to do that, then just like you were saying with our cortisol levels and your hormones, and now you're accidentally eating in a caloric deficit or you're forgetting meals. I'm at the point mm-hmm. now where, cause I'm naturally an anxious person. I'm mm-hmm. working on it. But if I get too high of anxiety, I will skip meals. And it's not because I'm like purposely trying to it's, yeah, I suddenly forget about myself to where there was a point where I had like, especially during breastfeeding, I had to track everything because I was like, am I actually, am I eating? Right. And it's really easy for people to forget about the mom postpartum, Mm -hmm. even as simple. And once more, it might be good intentions where people talk to your baby instead of talking to you Yeah. where they're like, Oh baby, how are you doing? How old are you? you're so big what yeah. do you like to eat are you sleeping it's like hi you can you can ask me the question too yeah i'm a i'm person i'm here <laughs> or they assume that like once you get past that like five six month mark you're no longer in postpartum and i'm like oh i'm in the thick of it what are you talking about <laughs> it's yeah. gotten worse and worse because she needs more from me she's more clingy now and she's so, more awake Yeah. So now I have less time to eat and I eat very healthy. And so since I eat so healthy, that's another reason why I'm probably losing as, or I've lost as much weight as I have lost because we know that healthier food naturally has less calories. So for me to be able to hold on to my weight, I got to eat. And it metabolizes like quicker. Yes. You know, like it doesn't take it the like your body doesn't hold on to it longer. It's a lot quicker process. It cycles through faster. Mm -hmm. That's why like when you get full quicker, but then you get hungrier quicker. It's like nutritious food. When people think like, you know, eating, let's say, I don't know, example, like 3000 calories, but you like, we're talking like nutrients, dense 3000 calories. You feel like just the food is like up to your throat. Right. But like, if you, we talk about like maybe just 3000 calories are not nutritious. That's like, four slices of pizza, a trip to Taco Bell, a few Dorito chips, and then maybe like a Dr. Pepper. Nothing against Dr. Pepper because we kind of love Dr. Pepper in this I house. I but, but I like my Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you have it and then you're like, oh, wow, that's 3,000 calories. That's nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, nutritious food, very healthy food will, you know, make you full faster, but you'll also be metabolized quicker, so you'll be hungry again pretty pretty fast within mm-hmm. the next couple hours. Um, one thing that you guys talked about, you two both, both have mentioned – is education within within postpartum, uh, mm-hmm. postpartum depression, breastfeeding. So uh, here, I think it's a great time. Like let's let's let we've talked about like almost everything. I feel like it's been a good little soap. Like we've we've or we've discussed the we've little hit a lot of topics. The, at yeah, once. Uh, the little right? topics that like the what 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 everybody just hears or what they don't recognize. But like let's educate a little bit. Like. Let's start educating on on what's a great healthy process to go. Like you find out, you know, that you're pregnant. Maybe, maybe you don't really live a really uh, uh, exercise balanced life. Like it's mm-hmm. a little bit there, but it's not like core to like your like you, Maddie. That was like your exercise is core. It's part of your life. You're yeah. a coach, Renee. Like the same thing. It's core. It's part of your life. You're a coach. Um, how how is what what are some healthy great steps to go about it when you just find out you're you're pregnant and you want to just maybe introduce exercise a little bit more 
I think the boring stuff that people underestimate. So it's your water intake, Mm -hmm. your sleep and walking. People really underestimate walking. And I feel like if we encouraged maybe instead of like do a hit cardio workout right when you're cleared at six months, stroller walks. 100%. 100%. You do a stroller walk through Costco. You can go through that freezer section. Just bring an extra blanket for baby. Yes. <laughs> if you don't live in Arizona during the summer, then walking outside. But there's a whole lot of core movement that goes pushed in, goes into pushing a stroller and mm-hmm. kind of looking at that first of how are you at the really simple things? Like let's start with let's increase your water. And if water makes you nauseous, how can we introduce water-dense food like berries and watermelon? Yes. And can you imagine if you just literally started with that? Of Someone's probably looking like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll drink some water. But do you actually know how much water you're drinking? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many steps you're taking in a day? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I'll, I'll take it towards more of the, like, pregnancy route. I say just literally listen to your body and do what you can and don't be hard on yourself because that's another thing with social media is a lot of women show them working out their entire pregnancy. A lot of people think that I did work out my entire pregnancy. I actually didn't work out for three months straight because the first trimester I was puking my brains out and there was someone at the gym that literally made me cry because they made me feel bad. It was a man. So, you know, we'll have grace because men don't understand (laughs) yeah they don't get it but (laughs) not not all because if if you do have a wife then you might just like my husband he understood what I was going through he saw how much I was throwing up like I literally could not work out there was no way I could but someone made me feel bad because they were like you know what you just gotta like suck it up and move your body you you need to be exercising like making me feel bad that I wasn't exercising anymore while I was pregnant and I was like do you not see me I'm literally skin and bones, dude. Like I've lost everything. At that point, I was down 15 pounds because I was throwing up so much. And I knew there's no way I should work out. Like it literally wouldn't be good for me to work out and risk losing any more energy or calories that I don't have already. And the only thing I could eat was a Starbucks sausage, egg and cheddar breakfast sandwich and bagels. That's all. And croissants. So three things I would never eat ever because that stuff (laughs) makes me feel like crap normally. Only thing I wanted, everything else like healthy food disgusted me when I was in the first trimester. So I didn't take prenatals. I did not eat healthy. I literally just did what I could to survive. So don't be hard on yourself. I'm literally, and that's why I love working with pregnant women because when they tell me, oh, well, this is what I ate today. And they're all nervous to tell me. And I'm like, oh, no, I get it. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Like, honestly, when you're pregnant, just do what you can. And then once you're feeling better, then, okay, now we can kind of get you back into moving your body, but we got to take it slow. There's just no need to overexert yourself when you're putting out so much energy to create life already. And taking that same idea postpartum too of, Work with the body that you woke up with. Yeah. And there's going to be some days you might have 100% in you pre-caffeine, not with caffeine, Mm -hmm. pre-caffeine, where you can give more. And other days where it's like, you know what, maybe I only have 40% energy. Yeah. That's your version of 100, but trashing your body just because you feel like that's what you should do Mm -hmm. compared to actually listening to your body 
it's not worth it. That's yeah. that's guaranteed a burnout. It's your body deserves better. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad seeing these people feel like they just have to, you know, there's a time and a place for a suck it up mentality, but not when you're pregnant, not when you're pregnant or postpartum. <laughs> you need to be kind to yourself. <laughs> like it, it's absolutely crazy. The once you once more, what you said earlier, the unsolicited advice mm-hmm. of that seems like such a strange thing of imagine if so, we use the example all the time of someone ripping a <laughs> bicep. <laughs> If someone rips their bicep within the first month, they're going to be like, well, suck it up. Go do bicep curls. That's a really silly thing. Right. He had compared me to someone that was doing like one of his clients was doing competitions. And I'm like, whoa, dude, we're in two different seasons. What do you mean? Like, because he's like, you know, she just had to push through it and it's really hard, but she pushed through it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I'm literally throwing up. Do you think I'm lying? And I was really upset because I already was feeling really sad that I couldn't work out because working out to me was literally my only hobby. Like I had, now that I'm a mom, I'm finding more hobbies for myself other than just working out. Cause it's not realistic to work out as much as I used to, but it was just my favorite thing to do. It's what I was passionate about. It's what made me happy. It was my favorite part of the day was working out. So now I'm throwing up. I feel like crap. I slept I would sleep pretty much all day, and now I can't do my favorite thing in the world. And you were coaching, so you're watching other people do your favorite thing. And I was still training because I wasn't planning on getting pregnant. It was a a whoopsie on my part, not on God's part. I know it (laughs) happened for a reason, and I'm so glad now that it happened when it did, but like, we weren't financially ready for me to not be working. I was helping with the bills just as much, so I had to train during my entire pregnancy, which it was fine once I wasn't sick anymore. At that point, I was like, I was feeling great. You know, once you get past, not for everyone, but once I got past the first trimester, I was amazing. I was like in that, I call it the honeymoon phase of the pregnancy where you're like, I'm glowing. And I feel like you walked around the gym like you were glowing. I was like, I wish I felt the way she did. Yeah. Because you did make it look really easy. And one of my clients had told me like, I wish I could be like her. I'm like, I'm sure she's struggling. She just hides it really well. Yeah, because then it was like only the second trimester that I was in my little honeymoon phase. And then, then it hit. third trimester came back to depression. The acid reflux I had. Oh, my gosh. So, again, I was struggling to eat because everything I would eat caused me pain, which is probably another reason why I didn't gain as much weight as maybe someone else would have because – I wanted to eat. I was hungry, but I was eating as much as I could. I was listening to my body. My acid reflux was so bad. My ankles were so swollen. Everything was just so uncomfortable. My back hurt so bad. I felt like crap towards that last month, but like the in-between, beautiful. You played it off really well, and I don't know whether to say congrats for playing it well, or I'm really worried that you masked it that well. Yeah, I just... I, I put on a happy face for my girls. That's it. Even when I was throwing up like three times a day, my girls would have never known how depressed I was because I I should probably work on this. But I don't know when I'm in my like zone and I'm training, I'm all about them. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I make sure like I'm focused on them. I'm putting on a happy face for them. I'm being as motivating as I can be. I cracked maybe one time 
in the first trimester started crying in front of someone because they asked me if I was okay. I'm like, don't you ever, (laughs) don't you ever ask me if I'm okay? No, I am not okay. (laughs) I think I remember you sharing a Instagram post one time that you were like, I I love my girls who understood me today where like I had to step out of the session to like throw her up like a few times. Yeah. (laughs) I I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. You're just doing what you got to do. I'm curious though. This is a little, little break. What was your weirdest craving that you had pregnant and that you, you like made it happen? I didn't even have anything weird other than I guess I like chocolate. Like I'm a chocolate girl. I'm not really like a sour candy kind of girl, but my husband loves sour candy. Like when we go to the store to get our treats, I get chocolate. He gets sour candy. When I was pregnant, all I wanted was sour candy, which was so even he was like, because I do not like sour candy, but that's all I wanted. So, and I ate that too. You know, nice. when you're pregnant, you don't want to go crazy. Like you got to obviously be careful about going crazy, crazy with it because you want to be healthy for the baby, but you just got to let loose. And I ate a lot of sour candy. I think a little bit of indulging helps hit the craving though. Cause the more you ignore yeah. it, the stronger it gets. He's asking because I had really <laughs> weird cravings yes. that he thinks are hilarious. What did you have? Um, pop tart with mac and cheese. Okay, no, but it was <laughs> no. so good. So I toasted a strawberry <laughs> pop tart, and then I took Kraft mac and cheese, and I made it into a sandwich. Oh my and it was gosh, so that sounds good. like something a stoner would eat <laughs> <laughs> at like two in the morning. That was literally all That's my cravings. I wanted, I wanted Taco Bell. I loved frozen pizza. Loved fr- like this Crazy. terrible like cheap store brand. I really wanted. I never gave into it. I really wanted Krispy Kreme donuts. With a Chick-fil-A nuggets in the middle. I didn't give in the that. I had that cravings for dog so food, funny. dirt, I've ice. That. Why? It was what, a mental deficiency. I was low in iron. Okay, I was about to say, <laughs> I'm like, Micah. what's the science behind that? Because why do people crave dirt when they're pregnant? That never happened to me. But I'm like, I thought it was so silly. strange one. <laughs> Until I went through it. And then I found myself like, I really want to eat that dirt on the floor. And I was like, this is not logical. Like, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm going to go eat. I need some protein right now. Yes. But it was, I thought people were kidding when they came to cravings. You forgot it, about the barbecue chips with, with vanilla ice cream. That wasn't that weird. <laughs> I mean, people do potato <laughs> chips with ice cream. I've seen that, but I don't know about barbecue. <laughs> In the moment, it was so good. Oh, my god! It was so good. That's, just, that's why I ask. I, I feel like I just want to know all these Is weird cravings. So I can make a book one day. <laughs> yeah. No, they, there should be a that's cookbook. That's got to be a TikTok. <laughs> no, there should literally be a cookbook for like things my wife craved yes yes oh that would be hilarious that could be a hit yeah it could be be so fun (laughs) and then include random things that she cried about that day because i was i am a crier me too i made the mistake of watching i don't know if you've seen the fourth season of stranger things oh of course that's why my daughter's name is eden oh yeah do you know that do you know the character eden I think so. See, everyone is like, I thought who so. are you talking about whenever I say that? Because everyone has seen Stranger Things, but it's because she's such a small character. I just got the idea when I heard it because I was pregnant watching the fourth season of Stranger Things. And it's Susie's older sister. Do you remember like the guy with yes. the long hair that's like Eden, like the yeah. Garden of Eden? That's so cool. <laughs> I yeah. was doing the same thing. I'm like, that is cool. <laughs> I like that name. Text Josiah. How about Eden? Like literally, that's because Josiah said, look, here's the thing. 
whatever her name's going to be, it has to be biblical. And I was like, dude, so you mean to tell me I got to like go through the Bible to find my daughter's <laughs> name? Like, come on. Like he took all my dreams from me. I had all these names that I had like picked out for my future daughter someday, but none of them were biblical. Like it's just things that came up in my head. So when I heard that, I was like biblical and I don't know anyone named Eden. So I have like Inspired. no negative connotation with it. Cause you don't realize yes. how many people you don't like <laughs> until you're trying to name your kid. Yeah, I realize so how fun. many people I we, at least have had a bad experience. With. Or you just wouldn't want to be like, I named my kid after you. Like I don't have negative things towards you, but I, you're not. Yeah. I don't right? want to think of you. Yeah. We named our daughter after a show as well. After we can a, say it's yeah, Teen, Teen Wolf Teen on Wolf. MTV. <gasps> Malia. Malia. I love it though. Yeah. It just fits her. We were like, we don't know any Malias. This Malia in the show is a badass. Yeah. And every other name that we came across, we're just like, ah, just there was a a girl that I didn't like. Oh, that was a girl I dated. Or she'd be like, oh, there's this girl in high school that I didn't like named this. Or I gave you an old lady name and you didn't like any of my old lady names. I was like, we're not having a 60 year old. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, tulip or, or tulip? No, Let's no, 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 magnolia, magnolia, that, that, magnolia is pretty. Thank That's you. not an old lady magnolia name. Magnolia is such an old lady name. <laughs> an old lady name is my middle name, and it's Carol. My middle name is Carol. That yeah, is an old not. lady name. I'm like, why did you guys do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That was my grandpa's name. They named me after my. I, I never met him. It was my dad's dad. So. Obviously, you know, Carol apparently can be a male or female name. So that's what they gave me as my middle name. And I'm like, thanks, guys. <laughs> so I anytime someone it. asks what my middle name is, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Carol. <laughs> well, Christmas Carol. You can make it like jolly. You know, I do love Christmas. <laughs> that works. Carol of the bells. <laughs> How many puns can we come up with? Too many. Stop. Too many. I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, uh, no. Um, oh but my gosh, so let's sorry, bring it Stranger back. Things. Let's so sorry, Stranger yeah, cool. Things. Yes. I made the mistake of watching it by myself when he was on a camping trip. And there's a certain scene that anyone who's seen the fourth season knows when running up that hill plays. Oh, yeah. So he comes home. He's like unpacking the car and I'm just sitting on the bed. I might have been eating that potato chip ice cream. Crying. Not just like the little cutesy like, <gasps> no, like ugly full body convulsions just <laughs> yeah trying to explain to him what's going on i just and got back from like colorado and i was like what what's wrong with you what yeah. did i miss so then i made him watch the entire series because i'm like you need to understand these specific tears oh yeah just you know ridiculous hormonal stuff like that but i mean now um, i can look back and be like it was kind of justified but also i will accept during pregnancy when I was a little bit crazier, mm-hmm. but don't mm-hmm. tell me I'm crazy. Yep. Yeah. And I definitely, th- I definitely think like, uh, now that I'm more aware of it, especially, um, we've had several clients uh, that we've trained here that, you know, have been pregnant. We've had a client that had twins. We had a client that had a daughter, uh, two, two of them that have had a da- the daughter, uh, one like right after Malia, um, uh, one like a year after Malia, but I- I've gotten a chance to like become more aware and, Definitely every mom uh, handles it differently. And I think like that, you know, that the guy that told you just to suck it up, like, sadly, I feel like if I hadn't been a dad and I'd be a coach, I might have said something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you just have to push through it. Like, I know you're pregnant. Like, I get it. You just yeah. have to push through it. Like, if, one, if you're paying me, like, I'm obviously just going to tell you to push through yeah. it. Um, and I like 
I look at that now and I'm like, dang, like I'm so glad I was never a coach or coach. Well, I was a coach when I was single, but I never coached one, someone that was pregnant was single because I would have probably said something like that and really yeah. like mess with them. Because um, you just don't get it until you, you've gone through it. Exactly. And that's why we have to have grace. It's so hard because it's like, what makes you think you can say that mm-hmm. to me? But they haven't gone through it. They don't get it or they mm-hmm. haven't had a significant other if you're a man that's gone through it so you just don't get it yeah and i think even i'm gonna call you out even your viewpoint of stretch marks has changed oh yeah when i first met you you were very much like nope no stretch marks and i was like well that's gonna be weird because my stomach's covered in okay first of all first of all i told you i was gonna call you out no 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 no, i know (laughs) i know i know yeah well you you were already a mom so i already knew that you had stretch marks and i was Mm -hmm. still open enough to dating you but yes (laughs) wow yes (laughs) I know I'm gonna get so burned after this, but yes, <laughs> I was really shallow. Wouldn't, that I was like, you know, like oh yeah, like stretch marks is not something like I find a ton attractive. But it wasn't always like stretch marks just from being pregnant. Like I, I had even tell, told you that. Like I understood to me, for stretch marks from being from being pregnant made sense. It was mm-hmm. like it's a un- an unavoidable, uncontrollable thing. Yeah. And yeah, that's like that's where I was like sh- shallow. It was like if a girl had stretch marks, maybe because she was small and got big, but not because of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. or it did she had to be afraid to gain weight at one point. I know, and, and, we, like, and we and we and we, we had to talk it out too. Talk it out and all that. And I think that's a huge important thing. And I feel like you and Josiah are pretty good about this of being willing to kind of communicate those insecurities. Like your spouse doesn't have to solve all of them for you, (laughs) nor should they solve all of them for you. Like you're your own human, but Mm -hmm. the more you communicate, it does get a little bit easier because otherwise you're just in your head. Yeah. And I know there were a ton of problems I made significantly worse because hormonal spiral. Mm hmm. And then now oh, 100%. postpartum, it's like, okay, is this my depression and anxiety talking? Is this is this actually logical yeah. or is it just something else? And yeah. like when you're postpartum as well and you can't be physical because you're obviously healing. That's a tough time, I would say, for women because for one, you're just experiencing your body looking more different than it's ever looked in your life because you just had a baby. And then on top of it, you can't be physical with your husband. And I feel like society just always says, well, you know, a man has needs. So you got to make sure you're fulfilling their needs. So I actually really struggled with that. Like I felt like I would overly apologize. Now I look back and I'm like, I want to slap myself. (laughs) Like, girl, no, you were healing. But I was overly apologizing to Josiah like, I'm sorry. I don't want to do anything. I'm sorry. I'm just not ready. And then even the first time we tried, I was in so much pain that it made me scared to, I did not want to do it again for another two months. I was like, we'll try again in two months. (laughs) So it took us a long time to be intimate again. And that also can like, it can hurt your confidence unless your significant other is like reassuring you like, I still love you. We're fine. We're good. I'm okay. Everything's okay. No one talks about intimacy no. postpartum. Yeah. No one talks about hard. it. It's hard. I mean, I guess you can say it's hard on a man because they're not. It's hard both ways. Getting their, yeah, their needs taken care of. But like, it's really hard on us because even if we want to, we probably can't because oh. it doesn't feel great. It hurts. You're still healing. As a man, I will say it's hard if there's no communication. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a point in the, like, so Renee, uh, she didn't, she didn't, she had a C-section. So mm-hmm. like in my mind, like I was like, okay, well 
she didn't deliver a baby out of her vagina. Like yeah. it's not going to no be tearing. Pain. It should be fine. It's not tearing. It should be fine. So there'd be a lot of time. Well, yeah, of course. And I like I understood that. But there would be th- there was definitely some times uh, and there was in the communication yet of her really explaining to me like why it would still hurt. And that was difficult. It's not like, oh, I need my meat, my, my needs met. But mm-hmm. it was more like if there's no communication, then I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because like, that closed off with me. But it's also not the men. It's because yeah, we're not so much out. and not so much what what's wrong with me. It's like what's wrong with the relationship. Like, yeah, like, is there something going on in the relationship? Mm-hmm. Like, w- what is this distance or what is this? So um, I think the communication of it is important because once we like talked about it and she communicated it with me, it made a little bit more sense and I was able to understand it. And then yeah, several months passed by. And as a man, you feel like, oh, yeah, it's been three months. You should be fine. And then I realized, like, oh, we, we were still having kind of the same, the sa- a little bit of the same mm-hmm. um, areas of, like, that intimacy. And once again, a man is like, oh, three months later, like, it should be fine. Yeah. And we Or how the doctor says six weeks, it, you're clear. Yeah. Like, what? And no. then we would once again, like, she would say, like, not right now or this or I'm in pain or whatever. I didn't understand mm-hmm. it until she was communicating it. But before she told me that, I was like, what the heck? Well, so no one. Yeah, there's n- there's not enough definitely there's uh, not enough, enough education education on mm-hmm. it for me personally expectations are su- set too high way too especially high. when gosh. your own midwife is the one saying six weeks everything looks fine down there you're cleared so i was like okay my doctor <laughs> told me hey i'll see you in a year and i was like what do you mean he's like yeah you can get pregnant up <laughs> in about a year he's like I'll see a little bit later than that, but thank you. Yeah. And we realized a big part of my pain was having a hypertonic pelvic floor. So it was way too tight. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay. I have a hypertonic pelvic floor. I'm not the most hugging person ever and I'm being touched out. And so it's this poor man over here is seeing me literally cringe and just pull away from him, but Mm -hmm. not telling him why. And once I started to kind of explain it to him, then he was better able to understand like, okay, well, I've never heard of a too tight pelvic floor. I just heard that, you know, not that you use this wording. People only hear that, quote, women get loose. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, shoot, hey, imagine being in so much pain. You're thinking it's normal. You're just sucking it up. There's so many ways that women are silenced. And at the end of the day, it's, they feel like they're the problem. And it's yeah. so sad that they're carrying that on top of everything else mm-hmm. going on. Right? Like, I'm already in charge of taking care of this human, feeding this human, giving all of my energy to this human. Like, I just have nothing to give you right now. That's what I would have to tell Josiah, honestly. Like, I love you and I genuinely feel bad, but I have nothing to give you right now. I need you to take care of me. <laughs> You said something interesting before the podcast, too, that originally your your main love language was physical touch. Yes. And I think that after you have babies or just in general, like through the years, your love language can change. Mine has definitely changed because before, if he wasn't holding my hand in the car or like somehow touching me 24 seven, do you even love me? You don't love me anymore. I just was like, you could do anything for me, but if it's not physical touch, it doesn't make me feel loved. If you come home with flowers, oh yeah, I still don't know if you love me. Like I felt loved through physical touch. Now it's acts of service because I'm drowning over here. Like I'm a new mom. I'm really on my own. I don't have any of my family here. 
we only have some of Josiah's family here, but they're kind of busy with their own lives too. So it's like now what literally makes me feel loved is just having help, having someone that is going to do the cleaning because he has a hard life just as much as I have a hard life. My hard life is I'm home with a baby all day. His is he's literally working 24 seven. And when he gets home, he has to work even more because he has so much to do. Yeah. Like that man is busy because he works for a church. Then he also has his own business. So it's like when he's done with working for the church, he comes home and has to now work on his business. So I think I've seen some of your church content too. Like it's, it's, really high production oh yeah yeah he he's great he's doing a great job that's why it's just tough though because I'm the one that has like most of the responsibility of the baby so I just feel loved when he can come home and take care of me now I think it's because I'm constantly taking care of someone else and obviously she can't talk she can't say thank you she can't tell me she appreciates me so if he's not doing that when he gets home then I'm just like pissed off or just I feel so empty. Like my love tank, as they would say, is very just empty. So I now feel loved when like I would say words of affirmation when he comes home and tells me like, thank you so much for cleaning and doing this for Eden and doing this for the dogs. And like that makes me feel loved. And then when he comes home, even after he's had his own long, own long day and will still help take care of me and help make me food and clean and just do things without me having to ask because I hate having to tell him what he needs to do for me. That's hard. I I think that's a common theme among most moms is I want help. I don't want to ask or I don't know how to ask. Mm -hmm. And then we're just kind of silently drowning. Yep. Um, What was it the other day? We've had like kind of a crazy month that I told you about prior to and I'd come home. It was a long day. I think I had almost cried in one of my cycle classes. And Luis was folding the laundry, which sounds so simple and so silly. But he was folding the laundry. And I almost cried on the spot of like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea how much this means. It just took so much off your like, plate. I do the same thing. And it and it's huge. It was a big pile. It, it, <laughs> yeah. I've been Especially letting the laundry build up. Oh, same. <laughs> My house is not the same. I, I'm a clean freak. I am no longer a clean freak. It's I have so let hard. it go. Yeah. I've let it go. I have no more pressure. Cause, but yeah, things pile up. And we feel a lot of the time like it's our responsibility to get it done. Especially if we are the one that's home most of the time. And they're the ones gone working a lot of the time. So... When Josiah does it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And then I'm more likely to want to be lovey on him because it's like now I feel so like loved and taken care of. So when he does nice things for me, then I'm more likely to want to be lovey on him when he's not really putting an effort towards those things. And I'm just like drowning. Then, of course, I'm burnt out and I'm like, don't touch me. (laughs) So what's helped you with the mental load? Because I feel like that's a big kind of term that's being thrown around a lot Mm -hmm. where it's almost like, you know, moms feel like they have a majority of the mental load. It might be different if you're in a household. We have a client where, you know, he does most of the child care, but... Uh, oh yes yes sorry. he does (laughs) if i wiggle my eyebrow maybe it'll catch on to my drift um but how do you feel what's helped you kind of addressing that with when you feel like that mental load is too heavy and maybe you don't want to ask for help 
Yeah, I've just gotten really good of like I communicate a lot faster now rather than like I was trying to put on a happy face because you also feel mom guilt for complaining about having to take care of a child all day. Like you feel guilty complaining about it, but it's hard. Like I am grateful for my daughter. She's the best thing to ever happen to me, but I want to be able to openly say that sometimes I just want to run away and hide for 24 hours away from her, but I love her and she's still the best thing to ever happen to me. So I've gotten much better at as soon as I'm starting to feel like a mental breakdown is coming, I literally will say, babe, I'm just, I'm feeling like a mental breakdown is going to come. Like, I feel like I'm starting to get super overstimulated by everything. Like I need help. And he knows that he better help because if he doesn't, I will have a mental breakdown. And I've had many since becoming a mom where I just like lose my crap. I'm just like scream crying because I'm so burnt out. So I, I've learned like I have to communicate with him when I'm feeling burnt out that I really need you to step it up. And he does fast because it's like either if, if you don't, you're going to see the mental breakdown. And now you're going to have to really take care of me and pick up the pieces of me losing my crap. Had you ever experienced a breakdown like that before? No. Like I was saying, I did not know I was going to have postpartum mm-hmm. depression because I'm very positive and I usually look on the bright side of everything. And I feel like my faith has helped me with that. Like past me was not like that, but my faith has really changed me and who I am to where I look at everything happens for a reason. And I try to always find what I can be grateful for out of a negative situation. So I have tried using that with being postpartum. I've tried. It doesn't work anymore. It's like this is a whole different ball game of struggle. And when you're just that tired, you're that sleep deprived, touched out, you're hungry because you're now feeding another human. So you have to eat extra calories. It just is so tough. It's very tough. So if you don't want me asking, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to know. It's like when you had your first breakdown, like mm-hmm. what was what like what was happening on not in, not the what caused the breakdown, but like in your mind, like were you able to recognize that this was because of a postpartum <laughs> depression? Was it like? Were you confused and kind of feeling lost of why you're having this breakdown? Did you have to have like maybe some reflection on it? Like, how did you handle it? Because I think if you've never experienced that before and you experienced that for the first time, that has to be kind of scary. Kind, kind of scary. Yeah. Okay, okay, sorry, not kind of scary. It has the to first be. First one it was ha- bad. Yeah, it has to be scary. It has to, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I just after I had that and Josiah witnessed it too was when I finally was like, I cannot do this by myself because I am a helicopter mom. I am terrified to let other people in to help take care of her because I just don't trust anyone. And that's from my own past trauma. So I don't trust anyone. Like I, I trust Josiah, but like even him, I was like, this is my baby. Like (laughs) I'm just so protective of her. And after I had that first like mental breakdown and it was so bad because I had been holding it in for so long, trying to be happy, positive, Maddie lost my crap. I just sat there and I was like, I need help. I I need people to help me. I, I cannot do this on my own. We need to find someone that we can trust so we can get out of this house away from Eden because I need to be able to get away from her. If I can just get away from Eden for even 45 minutes, 
I come back a better mom. I just need just 45 minutes. I've noticed that's all I usually need. Of course, the more the better. But it's like, (laughs) if I can just get a second from her, I come back a better mom. Well, because you were you were a person before you were a mom and Mm -hmm. being a mom is such, it is a wonderful title, but when it becomes your whole life, that's hard. And And it was my whole life. I mean, it's still my whole life, but at the same time, like I'm finally finding new hobbies and I'm finding things that I'm passionate about other than just being Eden's mom. I think I might've mentioned this on another episode and I've definitely been talking to people about this a lot of how parenthood can be extremely triggering, but it gives you the opportunity to heal of things Mm -hmm. that, you know, for some reason I'm like, I don't know why this is a stressor. Am I going to let it completely break me down or how can I make this, make this better for them? And sometimes it might be as simple as like, you know, my son is crying and having a breakdown. Okay. How am I going to address this? Well, I know I need to take a big breath in. So, Hey, let's, let's breathe together. And yeah, I I don't know how many time we do breathing exercises in this house for pretty much everyone except for you. Um, Pretty religious. We, we (laughs) breathe a lot. And that sounds really silly of just, you know, I'm just taking a moment. Yeah. Even with Malia, we started implementing it and I feel like I need as much of the kids of like, I, okay, I need to press pause so I can come at this with a loving mindset. And even now we, we've started to communicate like, okay, do you need a break from this situation of if one of our kids is crying nonstop and has, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, when they have the look that they're not going to stop crying anytime soon of like, Oh yeah. Do you need a break from this situation so you can come back? And I almost feel like as moms, sometimes we feel like we have to completely just let ourselves crumble and break down before we take a break. And it's just mm-hmm. investing that 45 minutes. It sounds so silly, but it makes it makes a huge difference, even from coming from a different perspective to. We don't have to fill from an empty cup. Yeah. Like if if we take religion into it, like Mm -hmm. would God want us to be this depleted? No. And I don't think he ever meant for it to be the way it is nowadays where we are so alone or like, it's kind of all on the mom. And like back in the day, like I was saying, there was villages, like whoever was surrounding you helped you take care of your child. And like, you could trust those people and, It's just hard nowadays because we are in a much scarier world. So it's hard to even find that circle that you trust. Like I trust my mom and Josiah's mom and neither one of them live here. So I'm like, oh, great. Who the heck am I going to trust? So and like neighbors aren't like how they used to be. It's so different. I I don't trust neighbors anymore now just because there's too many. Well, true I feel crime like stories I, out there. That's true. <laughs> and moms I, do yeah. love true crime for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah. I, I like to say it makes me more aware. But if anything, <laughs> it's making me more Thank helicopter you. mom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, uh, you know, we, we go to church as well. And today, mm-hmm. um, our in, in, in church for us is a little bit different. We don't have like a pastor that just preaches the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's more of the congregation teaches each other. They take so, turns giving talks. So it's like, really well, cool. yeah. So like maybe like once a year we're asked to give what's called a talk and we'll give in a topic. But anyway, so the brother that was giving a talk today, I think it was, yeah, he was the one, la- the last one was giving a talk was sharing out about how sometimes we get caught up with faith and we believe like 
faith is going to like stop the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, but faith isn't going to stop the storm. It's just going to hold you closer and protect you through the storm. Yes. And that's what's uh, like can be really, really like just difficult sometimes. It's just like you just you just want it all to go away. You're holding it all together. You're like, oh, I got faith. I got like just t- please take it away. And it's no, it's like. He's really just going to comfort you through it. Mm-hmm. And the only way like we're ever going to feel that comfort is if um, if we listen to like that still small voice and scriptures talk about like the still small, small voice, the, yeah. the spirit. So just a little, little, little spiritual there, uh, because you did say earlier, like, like even before you were like all your whole life, you know, you had all these different things in your life and even even like Jesus. And, but when those breakdowns happen sometimes like mm-hmm. this last thing you think of you know it yeah. feels super isolating and you know in that part i've noticed sometimes their prayers are literally just me crying in a shower and yep. it sounds really silly but it's I, it is comforting knowing that someone is out there and i've noticed kind of looking back of weird things do fall into place mm-hmm. It just doesn't really seem like that. And I've noticed, like, with my son when he was really grumpy, I just had this random gut feeling of, like, just turn on the shower. And then I discovered, like, he loves the sound of white noise. So whenever he would get really grumpy, we would just sit by the shower. Malia, the weirdest thing is what gets her to take a nap is EDM music. And That is hilarious. And it's because I taught cycle most of my pregnancy. And so she finds it comforting. But... What baby book says, turn on a shower and play EDM? Nope. You just <laughs> sometimes got to figure it out on your own. That's why I don't like unsolicited advice because it's like I appreciate advice, but at the same time, boundaries, I'm probably going to find out by myself what works for my kid and what I believe in too and what like fits my beliefs, you know? And you're her mom for a reason. That's something I firmly believe of. Like there's a reason that this child has come to you in Mm -hmm. one way or another. And so like there's a reason that Carter is my kid. There's a reason that Malia is my kid. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're easy, Mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes I do have to go down the route of at least I'm not doing all these terrible things. That makes me a good mom. That might not be the best mindset, but it's... I do it, too. Like, well, at least I'm not on meth. That's <laughs> When I was I pregnant <laughs> and eating deli meat, I was like, well, at least I'm not doing drugs. That's so great. my baby's going to be healthier than that, so... But can but you imagine you know. if we found ways as moms to celebrate the ways we're doing well more often right? than beating ourselves up of, like, you know, there was a time where we were really tired, so I gave my kid chicken nuggets, and I was like... it. It's in the shape of a dino. I know it's not organic, but at least they're being fed. Exactly. And exactly. You Can know, we just look at what the moms are doing right? Right. And we're usually always literally doing our very best. And there's probably a reason why that mom is doing that specific thing too. So rather than shaming them, it's better to understand, oh, well, you know what? Maybe she just had a long day and she just needed to cook something that was fast and easy. Or maybe her kid is so picky and has a literal meltdown anytime you try to give him veggies. So that's what I have to feed him. If they want to be fed, then that's what best. we have to do. Yes, fed is best. Now, whenever I go in, in like a grocery store and there's a kid crying, I always want to just look at the mom and be like, you're doing a you're great doing job. Great. You're doing okay. Right. Like, I get you. I don't know. Wh- it's this weird instinct of us moms just get it. Get I have it. noticed that moms are the best. It makes me emotional when I am out and my baby 
is having a mental breakdown and another mom just like looks at me and smiles at me because it's like thank you thank you for not making me feel embarrassed by this moment but making me feel like oh you get it or we were just on a plane and Eden was unfortunately that baby on the plane she cried the whole freaking flight and oh my gosh I probably got off that plane with like five gray hairs I was sweating like it was just so stressful because for one my poor baby like my heart was hurting for her and then for two people are staring and it was making me angry. Like I was getting really mad, but there was a lady that was sitting next to us and she was saying, oh, babies cry. And you know what? If people are mad, they can get over it and put their headphones in. And like that instantly made me calm down a lot. Just hearing someone else say, who cares what people think? Babies cry. They'll get over it. You know? hundred percent. And there's some worse people I've dealt with on planes than babies. Oh, babies yeah. at least have like a legitimate reason of pressure between their ears. Like if yeah. we feel uncomfortable as adults, that poor child right. has no idea why their ears are just whomp. Right. So it's people are so funny. And I did everything they say to do. So I'm like, I did everything. I fed her <laughs> when we took off and I was trying to feed her while we were landing. But if baby is when she's just pissed off, she rejects the boob. So I'm like, I cannot help you if you will not take my boob. It was unfortunately her nap time and I forgot the boppy. So it was mommy's fault, but I was literally doing my very best. So, yeah. Luis has been really awesome about that, of reminding me because, you know, sometimes we spiral into I'm a terrible mother of being like, are you actually a terrible mother? Like, I, you, you're not bad. You're doing your best mm-hmm. with the situation given you're not a very emotional person but I feel like you've become a lot more sympathetic sympathetic that's the correct term right Mm. empathy is I feel what you feel sympathy is I get it I see what you feel I think yeah like Like I understand I think like I understand either way there's more feelings there's more feelings (laughs) you're not a very feeling person and having a daughter has made you soft we love Um, that and I appreciate that and it's I will say that is a cool thing with social media is you're seeing the rise of dads that show up Mm -hmm. and that are supporting their wives in different ways. They're stepping into this role of if you look once more stranger things, if you look at stranger things and the main kid's dad, he's just there on the couch. Like Ted is just a person (laughs) and that's his whole role Mm -hmm. compared to like nowadays it's really cool and I do know there's some of my friends having a hard time with like I love that my daughter gets to have a dad be there but like why didn't I have that and oh no I'm crying (laughs) (laughs) oh I thought I was gonna be strong but um I think it's really cool and it's it's hard because at one point I want to be like well, why don't you celebrate me for changing my baby's diaper? But at the same time, it's like, I do want to celebrate the dads showing up Mm -hmm. because they might be unlearning certain habits or it's just, they're finally aware. Yeah. And it's really cool to see. So like, yes, this is a mom episode, but I'm so grateful for the dads that are there supporting because I know I can be crazy, so thank you for supporting my crazy mm-hmm. and my no random problem. crying. Yes. <laughs> nope. I get it. I it's, cry yeah. probably 
three to four times a week now that I'm a mom. <laughs> but you have such clean eyeballs. They're so clean. Oh, exactly. So clean. Exactly. It, it's them. healthy, okay? <laughs> it's healthy. We're processing well, emotions. <laughs> well, here's something I'm getting out of this, and uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but a lot of the things is mom set these expectations you know, you're like, I did everything I could for the plane. You know, I did everything. Every, uh, what people were saying, you said kind of these expectations. If I do everything that was said, then this should be the result. And it right. doesn't always happen. And the same thing, it's like postpartum. Maybe like the expectations after sex, after after having a, uh, uh, after birth. Like mm-hmm. these are expectations because everybody says, so you just do this for the next six weeks, da, 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 you're going to be fine. And it's yeah. just that's not how it works. Like the expectation is up. You know, I'm not going to be I'm not going to have postpartum depression because I'm a strong willed person. Mm -hmm. And like, I think if I keep these steps going, like I am going to be great. And then, you know, you ended up having it. So one thing I think really mom should just recognize is like this is my philosophy of life. Like really just move, just move with that flow, like control the controllable and don't stress out about the uncontrollable. I think, you know, if you can, if, if you can control certain things like, you know, um, in the plane ride, there's certain things that you were able to control that you try that you did your best. But at the end of the day, how much she cries is an uncontrollable. And, you know, like just don't stress about the uncontrollable, like it, whatever people were thinking around you, whatever that situation is like, get it's, over it. yeah, they're going to get over it. The, you know, you did your very best to not have postpartum depression, but then it did happen. Well, you know, find ma- ways to manage it. Don't get mad or be frustrated because you got postpartum depression, mm-hmm. like, or anything. So, just if you, c- I think if you can really just focus on control what you can control, and then don't stress out over what you can control. Mm-hmm. More moms will be like more supportive, be- meet better like eye to eye, and mm-hmm. there would be like so much less like contention, contention, or mm-hmm. do this, do that, like. I mean, I see there's there's always going to be the mom. There's going to be all these moms who say like, okay, wear diapers or, or or have your kids with like this kind of diaper. This is like the best diaper to wear. Or like one will say it doesn't really matter if it's organic. And then you'll have a mom that will say, oh, no, you have to do the reusable diapers. You'll have you'll have moms where they'll be like, oh, you have to use a crib like completely covered. Or mm-hmm. another mom will be like, no, you like cribs aren't great. And there's always going to be like this. You got to do this or you got to do that. Like there's always yeah. going to be – you'll just – figure things out as Mm -hmm. you go i mean expectation management is really hard and i firmly believe the best parents are the ones that don't have kids yet yeah they do they they're the ones that are giving the most advice of if i were a parent i would do this if i were a mom i'd do this i love that for you i was so guilty of that same that's why now i will not judge any mom on what they're doing because i've done everything i said i wasn't gonna do everything i was like oh my kid's not gonna have any screen time my baby's eight months old and has screen time because i need to eat so guess what the baby's gonna sit in front of the tv while i eat or that's the only way i could calm her down on the plane was putting something in front of her or i was like oh i'm not gonna use formula at all i just really want to make sure i can just breastfeed at one point i started using formula when i was like i'm not gonna do that i just was so set on not doing that because I wanted her to just get the nutrients from me and me only. Mm -hmm. But I was tired and I wasn't an overproducer. And I wish I was though. Part of me was like, man, I wish I was just an overproducer. But then 
being an overproducer also has its downfalls too. But I was hoping I was going to be able to make a stash. It was hard for me to make a stash. So it's hard for me to ever leave her. So I was like, honestly, no, we'll just use formula. No, unfortunately, her stomach does not like formula. So we went backwards on that again. But you tried. I, I did a lot of things mm-hmm. that I said I would never do. And a lot of things happened to me that I thought would never happen to me. But it will and it it can happen. It's the reality. Yeah. It's just a part of postpartum and it's okay. And it is just a season and it might be a very long season, (laughs) but it is just a season. I know you could probably tell from the podcast. I'm very pro best breastfeeding. If you are mentally and physically able to, and I really want to emphasize mentally able to, because I do think there was a point where I definitely should have weaned because mentally I was not doing okay. Right. But I know I personally, I don't know about you. I've never looked at someone and been like, you were clearly formula fed. No. How would you know? (laughs) How would you know? I was formula fed. I'm pretty sure you were formula fed. I was was only breastfed, but my brother was formula fed and we both are exactly the same. And yet there's this weird things where in the moment it feels so big. Even I know expectations of having like a certain type of birth of maybe someone had the intentions of I want to make it as natural as possible Mm -hmm. and their body would not let them so they were able to safely deliver another method but they're so focused on I wanted to deliver this way and I failed oh and I failed I mean I did a natural birth I wanted to to do a natural birth but I was like I'm gonna be fine everyone kept warning me how painful it was going to be. And if anything, I was like, can you just shut up? I'm going to be fine. Like I was trying to be positive, Maddie. Like, stop putting fear in my head. I'm trying to go into this excited. Well, I had back labor. So it was worse than anyone even explained it was going to be. It was 10 times worse than that. So I was like, well, really no one did prepare me for that because I plan on having a water birth. I could not have a water birth. I was in too much pain. Like, Water birth is supposed to be more relaxing and it is supposed to help you have a smoother delivery. I was in so much pain, I kept almost passing out. And then I was like, I will not give birth on my back. Like that is against gravity. I I want gravity to help me. I want to be on all fours. Gave birth on my back because I kept almost passing out. So like everything I said I was not going to let happen, happened. They also had to break my water. I was like, they're not breaking my water. We're going to let her come out when she's ready. I was in so much pain. I was like, get her out right now or I'm going to (laughs) die. I wasn't going to literally die, but I was like, (laughs) I was losing my freaking crap. Like I stayed calm as long as I could. And when I snapped, it was bad. And so they had to break my water, had to give birth on my back, popped both blood vessels in my eyes. So my eyes looked terrifying, like just filled with blood. I, I looked so bad postpartum, so bad. So anytime someone would come and visit to just like bring food and they would see me, they're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I was like, I'm not mentally ready to talk about it. I am okay. But But I'm not okay. That did not go the way I planned it to go, but it's okay because she's still healthy and that's all I care about. But one of our clients was able to do like a natural birth and the, the videos that she shared from a tasteful from a tasteful angle mm-hmm. are so empowering. And I appreciate so much that she doesn't brag about it. Yeah, because she made it look so elegant. I'm like, I love that for you. When I was on the hospital bed delivering via C-section, 
I'm pretty sure I told you I don't want to do this again. What did you do to me? And I think I might have said other things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was being so mean to Josiah. And like Josiah's like a little golden retriever. He's so sweet. Like, you can't be mean to Josiah. I was so mean to him. I was like, I hate you. Don't touch me. I was so mad well, because like the midwife was saying, try to like hold her from behind, like trying to like relax me. And I was like, don't touch me. <laughs> I was so angry. And even the midwives were like, so we think we might need to take you to the hospital. And I was like, you are not taking me to the hospital. I was so mad. I'm like, we are, she's coming out here right now. And I got on my back again and I was like, let's try again because I just could not get her out. She did not want to come out. Wow. I had to push for my life. That's why I popped the blood vessels in my eyes because I literally pushed for my life. So yeah, when anyone is like, oh, so do you recommend doing a natural birth? Mm, probably not. <laughs> Well, but you do you. <laughs> you I do wouldn't you. do it again. I know. <laughs> like even before I knew that I could not safely deliver vaginally, I knew in my heart, like I'm not, I'm not gonna be nice because mm. I'm barely nice during a C-section, and that's highly medicated. Yeah. So people that are able to make it look as elegant, like that. Once more, I love that for you. I'm going to go this route because I literally can't do any other route, yeah. but I'm probably still going to be a brat. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's no. okay. Do what you got to do to just get the baby out. That's all that matters. So th this could like totally make the podcast another 40 minutes longer. So I hope it doesn't. <laughs> but was, was your like desire to have like a water birth and natural birth and midwife kind of influenced by the era that we're in of, uh, holistic, holistic um, Instagram, all those things. I would say yes, because I am a very holistic person. Like I, I am more about like all natural. I try to only eat like whole healthy foods. Mm -hmm. It's just what I already believe in. And so, but technically at the beginning of my pregnancy, I still plan on giving birth in a hospital, but I was going to do a natural birth. Mm. But as I became more educated, I started realizing, okay, well the hospital as fine as that would have been, I would have been just fine in a hospital because I still had to give birth on my back. I just know that you don't have as much freedom in the hospital because obviously the doctors and the nurses, like they have to do what's best for them to, to help you. And I was like, well, no, I want to be able to do what I want. So even though it was rough, I'm still so glad that I did it at a birth center because mm -hmm. I was in the shower for probably two hours. Like they have a shower there. I was in the shower for two hours because the, the, the warm water on my back mm -hmm. made me feel so much better. I was in the bath for a while too. Like I got to move around and do what I want. And like all of the attention was fixed on me. So I'm still really glad that I like went that route. Um, but yeah, it was just more like I decided to go that route because I wanted to make sure that I had freedom while mm -hmm. giving birth and like I had a say in what was happening and I also knew that if I was in the hospital and I had access to drugs and I was in pain I was gonna say give me the drugs I knew that at the birthing center they had I don't know what it's called but it's like laughing gas but it's not as intense as laughing gas like it wasn't gonna make me like super loopy and literally mm -hmm. laugh like it just is supposed to relax you. And I did say, I'll, I'll take some of that. I will, I will take some of that. <laughs> did not help at all. They even said, since I had back labor, nothing would have helped. An epidural wouldn't have helped. So I was like, well, I'm glad I was here then. Cause at least I could 
kind of do what I felt like I needed to do and like walked around when I felt like I needed to just move or go sit in the shower. But yeah. So uh, one, do you mind if I ask where you're at Mercy Gilbert? What do you mean? I think that's what it's called. The there's a birth center out here. Oh no. I was at a place called family Gilbert birthing center. It's very small, Hmm. very homey. Like you feel like you're literally in someone's home. Which is what I really liked. Just in case we have any local listeners, too, where mm-hmm. that kind of aligns with their values and what's yeah. going to be safest. I figured that's worth meth- worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, since I do want to be mindful of your time because you are a mom and, you know, yes. babies are calling. What's one final thing that you want your mamas or those considering being mamas working towards that? What's one thing you wish you, you could tell them? Like every single one. Um, it is the best thing that could ever happen to you, but it is also the hardest thing you're ever going to go through in your entire life. In my opinion, I don't know anything harder that you could go through other than for one giving birth and then having to take care of a child and being their entire universe. But it's also the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's made me the most depressed I've ever been, but it's also made me the happiest I've ever been. Like it is a a whirlwind of emotions, but do it. You're not going to regret it, but seek help because that's something I'm still learning is allowing people to help. I think that's so important. Letting people in. There's a iconic quote from Harry Potter of you're going to suffer, <laughs> but you're going to be happy about it. Yes. Yes. And that's that is like my summary. Motherhood. Yes. That's my summary of motherhood of I've never felt so tired And so blessed. And even though this tiny human does sometimes annoy me, I Mm -hmm. wouldn't want anyone else to annoy me. I've never loved anything more in my life, but she also drives me insane. (laughs) And so moms out there, if you are feeling, if you are feeling overburdened, one, you are not crazy. It Mm -hmm. is that hard, but you are more than capable. And most importantly, it is okay for you to ask for help. If you look in the past, we have all had villages. We've all had tribes. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you're able to find your village and to find your tribe. It might be a little messy, but Mm -hmm. you do not have to do this by yourself. No. Just trust your gut. And husbands and fathers, just like, just be patient, Mm -hmm. listen. And and show up. Yeah. Yeah. Show up. That's it. So thank you so much for the time that you uh, that you took the sacrifice to come out here. Where are some places that some mamas can find you, and what are some things that uh, Maddie Fit is doing right now to um, help some moms out? I am on Instagram. Uh, Instagram is MadFitMama underscore. Um, and yeah, I'm working on an online course right now for postpartum moms I'm trying to create something that is realistic for postpartum moms to where you don't have to go to the gym Mm -hmm. to be able to work out because I know a lot of us just want to move our body but the gym is not exactly realistic I found that for myself so I'm trying to create something that will help with all the problems that I've personally struggled with myself too but yeah it's in the works it'll be a 12-week online course so if you do have interest in that, make sure that you're giving her a follow and then just follow her anyways. Go give her some love on the profile because we do appreciate you being here. She's like actual sunshine. You don't understand. <laughs> like she legitimately so is actual sunshine. This isn't just like you can tell this is genuinely who you are. Thank 
cute. Don't make me cry. <laughs> and if you want to <laughs> find it, if you want to work with her in person, she's over at TG mm-hmm. Mesa. Yeah, I do in person as well. But I'm definitely gearing towards online because more time. It's like I'm a homebody, even though I need to get out of my house. <laughs> it's a balance. So you you need to I, know. I like to be with Eden. But then I also have to get away from Eden. It's like I'm finding my balance. As it's a balance. <laughs> I'm still finding my balance. And I'm almost at two years. Yeah. Two and six years. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank Seriously. you. This has been fun. And thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. Hear you next time. Cheers. Stay golden. Stay golden.